Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep Six standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, editor Christian Berg. Welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and today we're wondering if you have all the milk and bread you need. That's right, the winter of 2013-2014 just won't give up the ghost, and I'm staring down the barrel of another nor'easter. Could have 18 inches or more of snow possibly burying my property again here in the next uh, day or so and yet at the same time I think that uh, most of you who are listening are about as ready as I am for spring and the good news is today we are going to focus on spring because down in the sunshine state of Florida spring training's at hand the mitts are popping the bats are cracking and we are going to talk a little bit of baseball and bow hunting on today's episode I have uh, as our guest John Lester, ace pitcher for the Boston Red Sox and 2013 World Series champion. Uh, it's not very often we get a world champion of uh, the major sporting world as our guest and probably uh, not too many of uh, the guys out there in, in major sports as passionate about bow hunting as John is. I actually had a chance to meet him uh, at the SHOT Show back uh, in January in Las Vegas and found out that John is a member of the Mossy Oak Pro Staff and uh, just really enthusiastic about promoting the, the hunting lifestyle. He loves to shoot his bow. He loves to chase deer uh, on his farm uh, down in Georgia in the off season, and uh, just was really happy too as a lifelong uh, Red Sox fan to meet one of the most inspiring players that uh, the Red Sox have had in a long time. For those of you who don't know anything about John or his background, uh, obviously he's an extremely talented athlete uh, and pitcher, but he experienced uh, a tremendous challenge. Uh, in 2006, in his rookie year, John was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, uh, which is a type of cancer in the middle of the season. And you can imagine from having to go from uh, the mound in the major leagues to a hospital bed uh, in the middle of your rookie year is quite a switch. And John, uh, unfortunately, missed uh, pretty well an entire year of his career getting treatment. He, he missed the rest of the 2006 season and uh, the beginning of the 2007 season, but thankfully was able to undergo successful treatment, uh, has been cancer-free ever since, came back to the Red Sox in the middle of 2007, and um, made his first ever postseason start that year when he pitched the clinching game of the 2007 World Series, so capped a, a storybook ending to his comeback for himself and for the Red Sox. And, of course, he's done it once again in 2013. Uh, John has established himself as one of the very best left-handed pitchers in Major League Baseball and was unbelievable in the 2013 postseason. Uh, went 4-1 and one 
and then highlighted by a 2-0 and record in the World Series, uh, was virtually untouchable in the series at an ERA of just 0.59. So, John, as I told you when I met you in Las Vegas, uh, congratulate you. I appreciate all you've done for the Red Sox. And without further ado, let's bring John Lester into the program for today's show. Oh, thanks for having me. Hey, listen, congratulations is in order first and foremost on the World Series Championship. Uh, I really, uh, I'm sure that was exciting for you. Almost probably seems like a while ago now with spring training just around the corner. Yeah, there's times it seems like it was, uh, you know, a year ago, and then there's times where it feels like yesterday. So, um, you know, like you said, we got spring training coming up. Um, you know, it's just another another year, short turnaround this off season. Just not a not a lot of free time. Which when you win, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you know, I had a chance, uh, you know, to first meet you a couple weeks ago at the shot show, and I was really surprised. You know, we talked uh, real briefly about hunting, and I, I was asking what you had killed last year, and you said basically nothing. Which I guess is, if there's any downside to winning a World Series, that it sort of eats into your time in the field, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, um, it's nice that I have the, the, the privilege of owning a farm um, here in Georgia. So, you know, that, that helps. You know, I don't have to travel far from home to, to at least get in the woods. But, you know, when you miss that month of November, it makes it a little difficult on you. Or, I'm sorry, month of October. Um, it makes it a little difficult on you to get in the woods and, and try to figure out where the deer are coming, how they're moving, and and all that. So, um you know, it was, it was like I said, a short year, but uh, still, when but, you know, when you win, uh, you really uh, kind of forget about hunting season. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, you know, I was trying to think a little bit about some parallels between, you know, uh, what you do uh, on the baseball field and what we do as bow hunters, and of course. You know, most most of us are not blessed with uh, the abilities that, you know, you've been blessed with to go out there and play Major League Baseball. But in, in, in some ways, I think that, uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, similar. And, and what I mean by that is this, you know, as you get ready to head to, to Florida for spring training in just a couple of weeks and start a new year, last year doesn't really mean anything all of a sudden. And, and, you know, for those of us who are bow hunters, it's the same way. You know, I had a really good year in, in 2013, and in 2012 I had a really bad year. And um, But when it comes to spring, you know, and, and turkey season gets here and you start getting out in the field again, really nothing that we did last year matters. It's all the same hard work and effort and preparation that it takes to be successful has to be done all over again, whether you were a champion or, or a last place guy the year before. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what that's what made uh, made our team special this year was just you know we we broke that down to even even more and we took it to a day by day basis. Um, you know where we won a game, lost a game, uh, had a bad call, uh, you know whatever happened. Uh, the, the next day was a new day, so we moved on. And, and like you said, that's what that's what hunting's about. That's what all professional sports are about. Once that last day of the season's over. Uh, win, lose, or indifferent. Um, you know, once that, I like to do kind of the calendar year. Once the calendar year turns over, you know, it's a whole another season. You got to earn your stripes again, and you got to go out there and bust your butt and and then try to do it all over again if you're in the position like we are of uh, winning the World Series. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you get a little couple, uh, you know, six weeks less rest than everybody else, and, and they've been spending that time just thinking about what they're going to try to do to you uh, when they get another crack at you. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about your, your hunting. Uh, I know you said, uh, well, you grew up, of course, in Washington State, which a uh, beautiful part of the country if you like outdoor activities. And, and you were saying that you fished your whole life, but I guess it was maybe uh, some baseball friends that helped you get into hunting, huh? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, as, as a lot of people know that no baseball players, you know, it's, it's kind of a fraternity and we all we all kind of gravitate towards the same thing. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, when I got drafted, meet a lot of guys that, that love to hunt. And, you know, obviously baseball's in the middle of the summer, and, you know, you don't get the opportunity to, uh, to fish a lot. And that's, that was my first love. And, um, so once I got into baseball, these guys wanted me to move away from fishing and go hunting. And I, I didn't really give them the time of day. And finally I, I got to go on a turkey hunt with a buddy of mine, um, in Georgia here during an off day and from then on was just in love with hunting you know that that off season went down and, and went deer hunting with them um, and, and got my first deer and you know did all that stuff and, and from then on it just kind of it grew on me and, and I really enjoyed it and now you know he makes fun of me now because I'm I'm more of a, of a hunter than he is you know he doesn't really have time with his job and and all that and you know now I own land and um, you know, getting into the managing side of things and planting food plots and, and so forth. So, um, you know, it's just something now that, that I really enjoy. I, move, I enjoy moving dirt and I enjoy, um, you know, getting getting our heads together and coming up with a game plan and trying to figure figure deer out, figure out food plots, figure out a lot of things about hunting. And, um, you know, that's what makes it interesting for me. Yeah, and you actually, you know, got hooked up with the guys at Mossy Oak and you're a member of the Mossy Oak Pro Staff which is how I was able to to meet you. Tell me a little bit about that and uh, how that relationship developed and is it something that you're looking to maybe actually be involved in the hunting industry at some point? Uh, Well that relationship kind of just fell you know kind of fell into my lap. Um, To be honest I don't know how I got a hold of Tim Anderson over there uh, but got his number through I think it was my agent. I don't know how he got his number. Um, but just started talking with Tim, and Tim invited me to be uh, kind of part of the pro staff, and, and I didn't know what that entailed at first. And, um, you know, just kind of developed a relationship there, and have really been, you know, really enjoyed being a part of their pro staff and, and representing Mossy Oak and, and uh, you know, getting to do things like I got to do at the SHOT Show and be a part of that. and and, uh, you know, meet a lot of the guys that I hadn't gotten to meet yet and, and uh, you know, start developing more relationships with those guys. But, um, you know, as far as when I'm done playing, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's something that, you know, I have to talk to my, my wife and, and kids about. And, you know, we spend a lot of time on the road. And, you know, obviously I don't want to retire and then turn around and get back on the road. So, um, but obviously hunting, you know, if it's something that, that I, that, it fits and, and uh, something that my, my kids want me to do or my wife wants me to do, then, you know, definitely we'll sit down and talk about it and, and go from there. 
Yeah, well, you're still a young man anyway. You're only 29, and as a Red Sox fan, I hope it's many, many years before you're trying to think about what your second career is going to be. <laughs> well, I, I, I just turned 30, so I'm, I'm, I'm an old man now. Oh, um, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I turned 30 this month, so... Um, it, it, according to to all the baseball writers, I'm an old man and over the hill, so I need to need to start thinking about that. Well, uh, that's where you're going to make up all those missed deer seasons. You know, when you're in the playoffs, you'll have you'll have a few years to get on that. So so let's there shift o- let's shift over to the bow hunting. You said that uh, obviously you started hunting, uh, you know, as an adult. Uh, but uh, you really got into bow hunting, sounds like, about four or five years ago, and you've gotten uh, pretty hardcore about your archery now. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I got into it four, five, six years ago just based on something to do. You know, you can shoot your bow during the season at the field, and, you know, I just enjoyed shooting it and, and being a part of that. Um, but then once I became a landowner, um, you know, especially here in Georgia, our rifle season's so long. Uh, we wanted to create some sort of, of sanctuary for these deer where they didn't feel the pressure of getting shot at all the time by rifles and, um, you know, big hunters being in big box blinds and stuff like that. So we decided that for a management side of it and, and, and safety side of it, let's go all bow. And, um, you know, I just I've really bought into it. I like it. I like having that, um, that those close encounters. You know, with the deer, whether you shoot a deer or not. You know, it's not always about the kill. Um, it's about the opportunity to be in the woods and, and see, see God's creation, see these animals interact with each other and and do the things that they normally do. I mean, you're in their house. Um, you know, hanging out. So, um, just the bow hunting was so much. I felt so much more intimate than rifle hunting. You know, I mean, I feel like, and I don't want to dumb it down as far as rifle hunting, but it seems like any Joe Schmo can pick up a rifle and shoot a deer. Um, you know, it takes practice to, to shoot a deer with a bow and, and get good at it and, and learn how to play the wind and learn how to set up stands, learn how to, you know, cut a food plot for a bow hunter and so forth and so on. So, you know, kind of the strategy of pitching, um, I feel like, takes effect a lot into uh, bow hunting so just added that a little extra dimension for me and made it interesting oh yeah we love it man we love to hear you say that you can say that on our show anytime you won't offend our audience because we're all <laughs> hardcore <laughs> bow hunters and we agree you know i mean rifle hunting uh you know it's great there's nothing wrong with it but yeah you just can't beat the uh when you get right up you know within being able to see the breath of that deer and he has no idea you're in the world and you make you know a good shot and watch him fall i mean there's nothing better than that as far as i'm concerned exactly exactly and you actually said when we got on the phone you're you're driving home from your farm right now so tell me a little bit about your farm and and also how you ended up in georgia obviously you grew up in washington state and you play for the red sox so how did what? How did you end up in the in, in the Georgia area? Well, I ended up down here. I've got uh, I got like I said earlier, the guy that got me into hunting, uh, my best friend. Um, he lives in South Georgia, so every year in off season in the minor leagues, I'd come down here and and uh, you know go hunting with him, and just really kind of like the Atlanta area. Didn't spend a lot of time there, but you know when I was here. You know, we, we'd drive through, maybe grab a bite to eat on the way down to his house. And um, 
then, you know, through fate or whatever, um, I met my wife on a rehab assignment in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, so that's where she's from and just kind of helped gravitate me towards the South. And I, I just, I like it down here. You know, the climate's better. Um, off season stuff is better as far as, uh, you know, facilities and so forth. So obviously closer to Boston and closer to Fort Myers than, than being in Washington or Arizona or wherever. Um, you know, and I just liked it. And then, you know, from there decided I felt like I wanted to buy some land and, uh, we found this farm. I own, uh, well, now I'm in the process of buying 10 more acres. So we're at five, almost 570, 570 acres. Um, built a, a cabin on it. Just got done building a, about a nine acre lake on it. So, you know, it's like, it's kind of like my little paradise. You know, I get to go down there and, and relax and get away from, from the world. And, and, you know, the cool part about it is I've got two young boys and, and they'll get to grow up and, and hopefully, um, you know, spend a lot of time down there and, and get to enjoy the outdoors just as much as I do. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's kind of like living the dream for what most of us would like to do if we could, you know, to have that. You can play, play like you say, play farmer. You, I'm sure you got, you know, a tractor or two and, and a ranger and all that good stuff and drive around and put your plots and run your trail cameras and just see what see what you can make out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly, and that, that's the cool part for me. Is And, and too, I mean, I, it, it sucks, too, because I don't get to actually physically put my hands on stuff and, and get on the tractor and, and uh, you know, be there when the when the food plots are cut or when the corn goes in the ground or whatever. But, um, you know, last year I got to get down on the ground and, you know, walk food plots and, and try to figure out where we're going to put, um, and you know, put these food plots, design them, come up with reasons why it should work here over there. Um, you know, I got to design the lake and, and design the cabin and, and so forth. So, you know, to show up this year and to see everything be done, um, it, it's just like, you know, you had your hand in it. You got to create this this little place, this, this area that you're hoping these deer walk in and hopefully one day you get to kill a deer out of them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. I really... Uh really think people can relate to that appreciate that talk a little bit about your your bow hunting equipment do you have a a particular brand of bow that you're partial to and uh you know how often are you actually able to shoot uh during the the baseball season uh well the last couple of years i haven't taken my bow just because um you know i live i live in boston or not in boston but i live right outside of boston and i just i'm not 100 percent sure what you know, kind of their rules are, and as far as shooting a bow or anything like that. So I, I try to just leave it um, for home. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, I've got two brands that I really, really enjoy shooting uh, for different reasons. Uh, one is PSE. Uh, I killed a really good buck with my PSE bow two years ago up in Missouri with the Furies. Um, and and I love my PSE because it's like a sports car. You you get in a sports car. You want to go fast. You want to you want to mash the, the pedal down and go as fast as you can. You're not worried about um, you know control and handling and all that stuff. You just want that Joker to go as fast as it will. Um, and that's why I like my PSE. Um, but my Matthews, I shoot a Matthews as well. Um, and, and obviously Matthews got the reputation for being you know smooth, quiet, and all those sort of things. And, and I feel like. At the beginning of the off season, when I get home, I can pick my Matthews up and I can put a group at 40 yards and and 
feel comfortable with it and, and not have to shoot a lot. Um, but that PSD, I feel like I really got to practice. I really got to hone the skill with it just because it is so fast and, um, you know, you, you got to really be dialed in to shoot that thing right. So, so are, those are kind of my two. Yeah. And, are, uh, are you are you shooting that, that? Are you shooting that PSE Omen? That super fast one? No, I've got the Evo. Okay. Yep. Yeah, the Dream yeah. Season Evo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I like it because I mean, heck, I'm I can shoot it out to seventy yards and feel comfortable with it. Um, when when I when I actually get to practice and 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 tighten those grips up, but you know, like I said, when I don't have time to practice and and you know really get out there and and hone my skill with it, I just grab that Matthews and I know it's going to be dialed in and and it's going to be easy to shoot. Well, and I bet you know you're a pretty big guy. I I don't know exactly how tall you are. Well over six feet, and you probably have a pretty long draw length too. You you draw thirty or thirty one inches or. Well, actually, I like, I actually prefer my bow a little bit shorter. Um, I actually shoot a 29 and a half inch draw. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 6'4", but I just, you know, the, the one, the first time I shot a bow, you know, the draw length was just a hair too long for me, and I, I hit my, my forearm with that string, mm. and, uh, and, you know, obviously put a bad taste in my mouth, um, on that, but... So I like to shoot it, shoot my uh, bows a little bit shorter, so I can bend my front arm a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, and, and get it out of the way of that string. So uh, normally I'm a thirty and a half, and and now I shoot a twenty nine and a half. So just an, a little inch shorter, and you know I don't I don't see a difference as far as accuracy or or being consistent with shooting. So I, I just I stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, and really with the way that the bows are nowadays are all so efficient, the modern technology that really you're not giving up very much speed and in that extra you know take giving up an inch of draw length isn't really hurting you you got more than enough power to still kill anything you want to go hunt yeah exactly what about uh what about on the broadhead side of things are you a fixed blade man mechanicals what do you like you know i like the races um when, when i got into hunting you know, as far as bow hunting, like, serious and, and really starting to buy into things, you know, the Rage uh, was kind of just taking off, and I used, uh, I think it was Muzzy Fixed Blade uh, before that, and uh, I forgot who it was, just, I mean, gave me a big spiel on, on Rages, and, and I should try them out, and and um, I did, and I ended up, I think, like, the day later shooting a doe, and the blood trail was unbelievable so ever since then that's all that's been in my quiver is rage broadhead yeah they uh i've shot quite a few things with the rage head and they will do a number on a critter there's no doubt about that yeah no doubt about it um talk talk to me a little bit about uh, the popularity in, of of bow hunting in the baseball circles i know there's an awful lot of guys throughout the the baseball world who are into bow hunting is that something that uh you guys kind of uh tune into pretty well you you know obviously you know who, who's into it uh on your own team but you pretty well get to know uh, who the big bow hunters are throughout the league um not re- i mean a, a little bit but not so much um you know i'm still kind of I wouldn't say new to, to, to meeting guys outside of my own team, but I, I am a little bit, you know, I, as far as the bow hunting thing, I, 
I think it's just hunting in general. You know, I think for some reason hunting and baseball just go well together. Uh, I think it's obviously because of the way our season's formatted. Um, but as far as the bow hunting, I know all the guys that hunt on our team bow hunt as well. I don't think they're they're strictly bow hunt only um, guys. But you know, I, I just I feel like just the hunting aspect of it. You know, guys are, are they buy into it? They love it. I think it has a very similar um, relationship to baseball as far as a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. And then when it's when your name is called, when that time comes, you know, are you able to control your emotions, control your breathing, control your actions, and and execute what you're trying to do? Yeah, I mean that's something I was going to ask you about. Um, you know, at the beginning of the interview, I made a comment about the fact that you know. Um, Unfortunately, you know, myself and and those who are listening, you know, we're never going to be able to experience the thrill of taking the ball and and going out onto the mound in front of 50,000 people and and matching, you know, skills against the best hitters in the world. Um, And that's what I like about bow hunting. You know, when you when you have a, a regular job, you know, even here at the magazine, I mean, it's a great job. But truth of the matter is I spend most of my time sitting behind a computer at a desk, you know. So when I'm actually <clears throat> to go out and and get close to animals like that and have those high-pressure situations, I feel like that's one of the few things that I can do in my life that really puts you in a high-stress situation. And you have to either, you know, you're either going to be a hero or a zero, and it'll expose all of your shortcomings Sooner or later, um, you know, am I am I giving the uh, fellow bow hunters and myself too much credit, or do you think there is maybe just like a little bit of a, a taste in that pressure-packed bow hunting moment of of maybe you know having just a shadow of a taste of what you might be feeling out there in like a high-pressure situation on the field? Um, yeah, I mean, I think yes and no. I mean, I think they're very very similar in certain aspects of it. Um, you know, obviously when that deer walks in, you know it's you know, a lot of times it's what thirty seconds to a minute, and and you're you're done. You know, whether you succeed or fail, you're done. Um, and, and I feel like in, in sports, um, you know, obviously I feel like with a pitcher, um, you know, it's usually just kind of that first inning. You know, you you kind of have that that feeling the entire inning of of you know, kind of the jelly leg, the the raised heart rate. Um, you know, the kind of little bit of the shakes, you know, whatever it is that, that your emotions play into. Um, I feel like that's really the first thing. I said adrenaline kicking in. Um, but after that, you know, you settle in. And, and it's and it's more of a thinking man, like, what am I trying to do? How am I trying to execute? And that adrenaline wears off. And that's where you really have to, you know, be on top of your game and executing. Um, but as far as, you know, like a hitter pressure situation. I feel like the hitters have it more so more often than a pitcher does. Um, you know, like a hitter bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth. I mean, bam! It's I mean, you're 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 the goat or you're the hero, like you said. Um, so I, I think when those times come, you know, as, as a baseball player, and you go through those situations, I think when a deer walks in, you're able to control your emotions a little bit more than, say, just a normal person. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say it's very, very comparable at those at those heightened times. Yeah, do you, uh, do you really, you know, find that you... 
Oh, for instance, you know, just a regular season start versus a World Series start. You know, are do you get? Are you really nervous when you go out there? Uh, you know, uh, and is that kind of similar to the way you might feel? You know, shooting a doe versus shooting, you know, a hundred and seventy inch buck. Um. Well, I mean, obviously, a start in in May, you know, isn't going to compare to a start in the World Series. I mean, that's those are two totally different things. Um, you know, leading up to the to the game, the nerves, the adrenaline, all that stuff is heightened in the playoffs, and that's why, you know, people always ask, you know, like why is your why is your velocity go up in the playoffs, or why does your stuff change in the playoffs? Well, I mean, every pitch matters. You don't have time to take a pitch off and and wander or, um, you know, whatever it is. I mean, these guys. I mean, you're fighting for your life. I mean, you're fighting for for maybe going home tomorrow. So. That's very different, but I think when you know when a doe walks in and you know you don't get nervous, I think that's the time where you need to go ahead and just hang everything up and go home. Um, you know, I feel like that's what I love about hunting is the unknown, the excitement. Whether it's a whether it's a doe, whether it's a you know a kid's first four pointer, or whether it's a 170 inch deer. I mean, you should be locked and loaded and focused and, and never take anything for granted as far as hunting or being in the woods or being around family or friends in the woods or anything like that and i think the same thing goes for baseball i think it's a good answer man it's uh it is true we always say you know the day that the day that it doesn't get you fired up anymore is the day you just need to quit <laughs> so yeah uh, for sure yeah. for sure um Real quick, as we, you know, maybe as we head towards the finish line here, um, obviously you've got your place in Georgia, so I know you got, I'm sure you got a, a bunch of deer and, and probably quite a few turkeys there. Uh, what are some other things that maybe you've hunted or that you that you want to hunt, you know, some things that you want to sort of have on your list that you want to make time for in, in bow hunting? Um, well, I, I've got a, I've got an elk hunt going, but, you know, obviously with our schedule, we don't get to do the bow side of the elk, so that, that's, that's on my list, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to get to do that with rifle next year, uh, I had to postpone it this year, but, um, you know, elk, mule deer are, are probably my top two, um, you know, kind of North American, uh, game right now, um, you know, obviously I'd love to do... You know the red stag. Go over to Africa, do that uh, one day. Um, but but right now, you know I'm I'm really content. I, I really just enjoy. You know I don't need all the the weird exotics and and all that stuff to you know to, to make me happy. You know I like I like hunting whitetail. I love the fact that you know every deer that walks out is different. You know you look at you look at elk. Uh, I mean mule deer can be can be uh, you know very uh, very different as well, but um, you look at elk and you know, obviously they all have mass. They all have you know one's a five by five, one's a six by six, or whatever. But you know it's a lot of the same stuff. You don't have a lot of character that you do in whitetail, and I love that about whitetails. You know my eight pointer that I kill that 160 inches could look completely different than your eight pointer that you kill at the 160 inches. So you know I love that aspect of whitetail hunting. That nobody's deer is ever going to be the same or look similar at all. Um, and I think that's pretty cool about, about the white tail side of everything. 
Yeah, and I think, too, you know, you draw a lot of satisfaction from being able to hunt at your own place. I know, you know, most of us, have, just for myself, you know, here in Pennsylvania, I've got a couple of farms where I'm able to hunt. And there's something great about being able to travel. Obviously, you have new experiences. And, and obviously, I have a chance to go places where the trophy quality, you know, is better than it is here. But on the other side of the corner, like, you know, when you've scouted that particular deer or you've set all those stands yourself, you get a little bit more of a satisfaction because it's a you're involved in the whole experience, you know, more so than just showing up and having somebody else put you out there, and then you know maybe you kill something and maybe you don't. So um, yeah, exactly. You've kind of got the best well, of it right there. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean I I know that just from experience with with the deer uh, on my place that um, that deer I killed up at the jury a couple years ago I actually missed. Um, an eight pointer down here. Well, you see, it was actually a ten with the with the two kickers he had. But um, you know, I, I shot over his back at forty five yards, and I killed. I ended up a couple weeks later going to the juries, and I killed a hundred and sixty inch eight pointer. And you know, if I would have killed that ten pointer on my farm, I mean, obviously that was my first bow buck. Regardless, uh, was that deer I killed at juries. Mm. Um, but if I would have if I would have killed that deer on my farm, that would have meant way more to me than that that deer I killed at the juries. And that deer was actually killed last year um, in the 2012 season. It was killed last year, and it scored 148. You know, so not a, not a monster, a really good bow deer, um, but that deer would have meant way more to me and had a lot more, you know, pride looking at it on the wall than, than that one I killed up there at the juries. Just for the simple fact at the time, you know, obviously the money invested and, you know, it's, it's, it's your deer. It's on your farm. You grew it. You watched it grow from, you know, I, I've, had, I've probably got thousands of pictures of that deer from three years old until the day it died. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's where, it, that's where, like you said, it becomes cool. It becomes invested the time you put into it and, and, uh, you see that reward at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, man, I, I know that your time is precious. You're probably getting close to home and, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to let you go. But uh, I just want to say that uh, first and foremost, I, I really appreciate your time uh, to, to, you know, spend with our audience. Let them, you know, know that you are a fellow bow hunter. I'm sure that you've got a lot of uh, new fans <laughs> coming off of today's show. And uh, as a Red Sox fan, I thank you uh, for everything that uh that you've done for for the team i wish you the best of success in the 2013 season like we said every you know everybody's going to be gunning for you and uh that team in new york spent a couple dollars uh to try and reload this year that ought to be uh, a pretty interesting uh season series uh with those guys so hopefully you got yeah. lots more bullets in that arm and uh you can continue to show them who's boss john all right well i appreciate it thanks for having me on Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new ultra micro diameter injection arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.